Welcome to Genesis. I'm glad you guys are here. You guys feeling okay? Awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad that we all uh, fared okay with Hurricane Irma. And uh, thankfully, you know, it did turn away from us, but, you know, continue to pray for Florida and all of that. Uh, but I was, you know, it was, it was nice to have a week off, I guess, but I missed you guys. And, uh, and so I'm glad to be back. It feels like it's been a while. And so I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here tonight, and I hope you are too. Um, we're continuing our series, Tweetable Gospel, tonight. And uh, this is a series that aims to break down the gospel into its simplest form so that it's easier to remember and then, uh, therefore, you know, easier to apply and share. And, uh, and so every night we're going to have a one-liner gospel tweet that is hopefully, like I said, easy to remember, apply, and share. And uh, if you were here in week one, which was two weeks ago now, uh, we talked about how God's grace reaches deeper into our soul than any height that our works can reach. That even though our, our works may look like a Mount Everest, uh, God's grace looks like the Mariana Trench. And so, uh, and also we talked about how a lot of times we have gaps in our life and how uh, God's grace also covers that. And we see that grace when we zoom out and look at the big picture at what, at what God is doing. And so I want to say too, before we move forward, that when we say gospel, when we say tweetable gospel or the word gospel, what I'm referring to, what we're referring to is the fact that we are sinners, that we are separated from a holy God. We are unholy before his holiness, and therefore we are, we are completely separated from him, and there's nothing we can do about it. We can't get to the Father on our own. We can't have eternal life on our own. But God, out of mercy and love, sent his only son to earth to live a perfect life, die a death that we deserved, and then resurrect three days later to have every sin that we'd ever commit paid for and, there, and then have eternal life and have a relationship with God. And so that's what we're talking about with the gospel. And so uh, tonight we're going to talk about that eternal life that the gospel offers and how eternity, which is often this, you know, this big idea, this, this one day type concept, how that one day type concept can affect us right now. And so we're going to talk about how eternity can, uh, can affect our lives right now. And uh, so with that said, here's our tweet for tonight. Here's our tweet for tonight. The hope of heaven relieves the exhaustion of the earth. The hope of heaven relieves the exhaustion of the earth. So about this time last year, Emily and I, we went on a trip to San Francisco. And if you, uh, you know, you probably know when it comes to San Francisco, the Golden Gate Bridge is like the icon of San Francisco, right? Like it's in the full house intro. It's, uh, it's on all the postcards. So if you think of San Francisco, usually the, you know, the, the main thing they have going for them is the Golden Gate Bridge. And so when we went to San Francisco, we were like, yeah, we can't wait to, to drive over the Golden Gate Bridge. That's like, that's like the main thing. That's the thing to do there. And so uh, we went there, and it just so happened to be a work trip for Emily. And so she was in training a lot of the time in school and things like that. And so I was just kind of on my own to kind of explore the city. And, uh, and so uh, I had decided one day, I was trying to figure out, like, what I was going to do, like, during the day, trying to spend my time. And I wanted to go hiking in the Marin Headlands, which is just like apparently like a really cool place to go hiking. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Well, it turns out I was going to have to go across the Golden Gate Bridge to get there, like go on the other side. And so I was like, even though I could do this, I don't think it would be right going over the bridge without Emily because that's like the main thing to do here. And she's stuck in school and I'm out here actually getting to see the city and there's no way like, like it, later that day, you know, if I get back and we get back to the hotel and she's like, oh, what'd you do today? Oh, I went across the Golden Gate Bridge without you. You know, like, no, that's not, I was like, I can't do that. It's not going to happen. It's not that I couldn't have, I just didn't want to, right? And so when it comes to heaven, 
it's not that God couldn't have existed in heaven by himself. He absolutely could have. He's outside of time. He's self-sustaining. He's independent and doesn't need us for anything. It's not that he couldn't, but said he didn't want to. So when it comes to God sending his son to earth, sending his son to die and be that perfect sacrifice so that we could be with him, it wasn't because he was lonely. It was his loving and sacrificial way of saying, who I am is too good for my people to miss. That I want my people to be with me. I want them to experience my goodness and my mercy and my love. And that was only going to happen with the blood of Jesus. And that's what he did. So tonight, we're going to talk about this hope of heaven. And we're also going to talk about the other reality of the exhaustion of the earth. And we're going to find both of those in Hebrews chapter 12. So I'd love for you to go ahead and turn there with me. Uh, Hebrews 12 and... uh, While you're doing that, I want to give you some context to Hebrews 12. Uh, The author of Hebrews is relatively unknown. Uh, No one really knows who the author of Hebrews is. There are some speculation that it is Luke. Some people believe that it is Paul, but nobody is really sure. And the book of Hebrews is one of my favorite books of the Bible because it does a really good job of uniting the Old and New Testaments together under the umbrella of Christ. And so by the time you get to chapter 12 of Hebrews, the letter is almost over, and the chapter starts with this really big therefore, this word therefore. And anytime you read the Bible and you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself, what is it there for? And so That's what I wanted to do. So to put Hebrews 12 into into context for you, the preceding chapter is known as the faith chapter. And it actually holds a pretty well-known verse that says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's a pretty well-known verse. If you've heard it before, that's in Hebrews 11. Uh, and, And Hebrews 11 also goes on to reference numerous heroes of the Old Testament, including some guys you may have heard of. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, and Samson, and that's just to name a few. And so he did, the author does that, all of which to prove the point that even though these heroes of the Old Testament did great things, they were not the answer. That the answer was Jesus, and he was the true and better version of all of these heroes of the faith. And so to give you some examples, Abel and Jesus both made the sacrifice that God required. Abel gave a lamb, Jesus gave his life. Enoch and Jesus both ascended from earth into heaven. Noah and Jesus both rescued their people from the wrath of God. Noah rescued them from the flood. Jesus rescued them from hell. Abraham and Jesus both left their comfort for the uncomfortable. Abraham left his hometown. Jesus left his throne in heaven. Isaac and Jesus both were set to be sacrificed. Except in the case of Isaac, a substitutionary ram in the thicket was not provided. Joseph and Jesus both were betrayed for the price of a slave. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Moses and Jesus both redeemed their people from slavery. Moses from slavery to Egypt, Jesus from sin. And Samson and Jesus both had more victory in their life than they did in their death. Samson when he pulled down the pillars and Jesus when he went to the cross. And a summary of those foreshadowings of Christ brings us to chapter 12 and what we're gonna read tonight. So let's read, this is verse one, Hebrews 12, one. It'll be on the screen for you. This is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So in this verse, it says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses as we run this race called life that is set before us. And these witnesses that he's talking about are the people that he just referenced the chapter before. 
How cool is that, right? So we've got all of these heroes of the faith up in heaven cheering us on and motivating us. And so we have the support of those who have went before us. We have the support of heaven on our side. And so I want you to kind of think about that for a second, that you're running this race of life, you're being cheered for and motivated by the biggest heroes of our faith. And they're saying, listen, you can do it. We believe in you. And so that should be pretty encouraging for you tonight. And so what the verse continues to say is where I, I want to hang out for a minute. So the verse continues to say that in order to run this race with endurance, we need to lay aside every weight and every sin that clings to us and weighs us down. As I've mentioned before, uh, not in April of this year, uh, Andrew and I and Jake, Jake loves getting mentioned by name, so I wanted to make sure I did that. So uh, Jake uh, and I and Andrew and another guy, Austin, uh, we did the Bulldog Challenge. And so uh, down at the Citadel, and so when we were training for it, we were running with 30-pound sandbags on our backs. And so we would run maybe like a mile or so with it and then a mile or so without the sandbag. Let me tell you something. That was ridiculously hard and probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. But when we would run with the sandbag versus when we would run without it, it was like a whole nother world. I mean, once you took the weight off, once you took off what was weighing you down, the, it was so freeing and running became a lot easier. And so obviously running has a lot to do with weight and resistance. And so because of this, I was kind of curious. And so I looked up what the, um, what the USA track runners wear when they run in the, like, they run in the Olympics. And so this is kind of interesting. So obviously they wear like these, you know, these skin tight shorts, right, to reduce resistance. And then they also have these things called arrow blades, which are basically these tiny little specks that are half pipe shaped, you know, like a, like a skateboard half pipe, and they protrude off their clothes. And they have them like all over like their socks, like knee high socks, and then they put them like on their rib er- ribs area as well. And so this is to reduce wind resistance. And they also have like these adhesive tape strips as well that they put on their like parts of the body that would cause more resistance than others, like uh, the upper arm and then the inside of the calf as well. And they actually test all this stuff in wind tunnels. And so they want to make these people, these runners, as, as light and as agile as possible. And this is what the author of Hebrews is telling us. He's saying, ditch what is weighing, weighing you down, ditch what is making you run slow, ditch what is exhausting you. So let me ask you tonight, what is it that's weighing you down in your life? What is it that's slowing you down? What's hindering you from running at your fastest? Is it sin? Is it regret? Is it an addiction? It could be something like a relationship or how you manage your time or being complacent. I know for me, I've ditched a lot of weight in my life recently. In the last year, this is kind of funny, but I've moved almost completely away from video games. That may seem kind of childish, but I used to, I used to play a lot of Xbox in my downtime. And then it gets to the point where it kind of creeps into time that's not the downtime. And so I've almost completely moved away from that. Another example is uh, I've, I've also started to sacrifice, uh, throw off some weight of sleep. I used to sleep to the point, like as late as I could to get up, spend some time with Jesus, rush it a little bit, and then get dressed and go out of the house. Now I wake up like one and a half, two hours earlier. Now I have time to spend with Jesus that's not rushed, time with my wife that's not rushed, time with my to-do list, all before I walk out of the house. And it's made me so much more productive. And it's brought me a whole lot closer to Jesus in the process. Another example, Emily and I are trying to pay off debt. Debt is a huge issue that can weigh you down and, and hinder you from doing things. And so we've been trying to, to, to knock down debt like crazy because we want to give more and that allows the margin to do so. 
And those are just like personal examples and in no way things I'm trying to push on you guys. But I just wanted to give you some examples of what it looks like to throw off weight in your life. But I want you to answer it for yourself. What is it for you? What is it that's slowing you down? What is causing resistance for you in your walk with God? And living with that extra weight on your shoulders is a little exhausting. Would you guys agree? And so it may be time for us to take the sandbag off, put those tape strips and the short shorts on and become aerodynamic for the sake of Christ. So ditch the extra weight, strip it off, whatever it is that's weighing you down so you can run this race in the best possible way you can. And don't forget all the while you've got this heavenly crowd of witnesses that are cheering you on and that believe in you. And as we know, every race has a finish line. So let's keep reading. We'll start to see the hope of heaven become a little clearer. So this is uh, verse two. I'm gonna go ahead and read verse one with it again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance of the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So this verse, it continues to say that we run this race with our eyes set on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. On that same San Francisco trip, we, uh, one of the days we got to spend together, we, <laughs> I had to get permission to tell the story. So just to give you an idea of what's coming. So we, uh, you guys can laugh. Loosen up a little bit. It's all right. It's okay. Like, we're having fun, all right? So we, uh, I was trying to figure out something to do that, that we could do together, and I happened to come across this whale-watching excursion. Now, I'm reading the description of this, and it's like, we're going to go 15 miles off the, the, the coast of California into the Pacific Ocean, and we're going to go to the Farallon Islands or the Los Farallones, where there's a bunch of seals, and because there's seals, it's a feeding ground for great white sharks, and there's going to be whales, and it's got its own climate, and it's cold, and it's rainy, and I was like, yes, I am in. That sounds like deadliest catch, and that sounds awesome. So I was like, Emily, like, we got to do this. Like, but if you're like, if you want to do it, like you got to put your big girl pants on. Like, this is no joke. And those are my words. I mean, I was like, if you want to go, we got to, we can't just, we can't just, you know, yeah, I'm going to go 15 miles into the ocean. You know, I was like, we got to, I mean, this is, this is serious. This is intense. So and she's like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. So the next morning comes and we show up at the, uh, at the, the place, the kiosk or whatever. And we're standing in line. We get the tickets. And then they say, oh, by the way, we don't go to Los Farallones on weekends, so we're, but we're still going to hopefully see some whales. And I was like, perfect. So we're not even going to go to the cool place that I saw on your website. And so we, you know, we, we, we start you know, traveling into the deep, and, and uh, we get, you know, and, and 15 miles uh, on a boat is pretty far, I mean, especially on a boat that size. And so uh, it took us about two hours to get to the location. And I have never seen waves so big in my life. And so it's like, you know, we're just boosh every, every like couple of minutes. And like, it's, it's swaying the boats rocking. I tried to get up to go to the bathroom and fell, like almost fell. I was like, this is like the worst. And then I don't get really, I don't get motion sick. Emily does. And so she's over here like, okay, this is like, I'm, I'm literally about to throw up over the side of this thing. And so I was like, all right, well, here's the thing. You know, this is what they say. They say, look at the horizon. 
Look at the horizon because the horizon is steady and it doesn't go anywhere. And so look at the horizon and that will trick your mind into thinking that you're not moving. That's what they say, apparently. So, so she's trying to do that and it's terrible. So finally, we get to the calm waters, you know, quote unquote, to try to see some whales. And uh, shocker, never saw a whale. Not, I saw a tail, a tail of a whale. That was it. Saw a tail. She didn't even see it. She was too busy worrying about throwing up. And so, and the guy, I don't, you know, I don't know how often that happens, but anyway, uh, didn't, didn't see any whales. And, and so then we had to make the two-hour trip back. So it was, a, it was, a, it was an afternoon of, uh, of, of fun. And so Emily, you know, got pretty seasick. And like I said, I had to ask permission to tell that story because she, literally, she told me the other day, like, I can't even think about that without getting, like, kind of queasy. So, so anyway, sometimes life kind of feels like that, Right? Life kind of feels like that. The waters get rough. The boat starts swaying a little bit. Circumstances kind of feel a little out of our control. We're getting beat up by the world. We can't seem to catch a break. We're exhausted from enduring the situations of life. I want you to hear this tonight. That when the boat starts rocking and the, and, and the waves get a little rough, you can look at the steady horizon of Christ and know that it's not going anywhere. That it is still, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's not going anywhere. And that hope of heaven can relieve the exhaustion of the earth. And so when we're running our race, when, our, when our, we're trying to you know, throw off every weight and every sin that clings so closely, we're trying to run with endurance, we have to know that Jesus is the prize, that he is the end goal, he is the finish line, and he is the hope of heaven. Jesus is the hope of heaven. And when we do that, when it gets kind of hard, we get tired, we get exhausted, we can look at that finish line. We can look at that hope of heaven, that horizon of Christ, and and we get reminded why we're running, why we're striving, why we're toiling away, because the hope of heaven relieves the exhaustion of the earth. And the verse continues to say that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame. And I read this, and and I, I immediately asked myself, like, Okay, so it says, for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? What was the joy that was set before him? The joy that was set before him was what he would experience on the other side of the shame and pain of the cross. He knew that the humiliation and the disgrace and the sacrifice was worth it. And he knew the pain, the torture, and the exhaustion was worth it. Why? Because he knew on the other side of the cross, he would be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That even Jesus' exhaustion on earth was relieved by his hope of heaven. The joy was what he would experience on the other side of the shame and the pain of the cross. That even the exhaustion of Jesus was relieved by the hope of heaven. And this hope of joy that awaited Jesus on the other side of the cross was part of what helped him endure it. Another part was knowing that that was also unlocking eternal life for his people knowing that we would also get to be in heaven with him. That when we are gone from this earth, when our life is over, we finally get to meet face to face, eye to eye, the God that we've been worshiping our entire life, the one we sang to tonight, the one we read about in the Bible, the one we've prayed to, that God, we finally get to see him. And that is the reward. That is the hope of heaven. That one day, this pain, this exhaustion will be over. And we get to see Jesus face to face. And that is the hope we can hold on to. 
The hope of heaven relieves the exhaustion of the earth. And if that doesn't get you excited, check your pulse. You may not be running the race. We're about to, we're about to move into a time with table talk. And this is, this is our response time now. So I don't know if we've ever really explained it that way. But I get up here and we talk and we don't really respond through worship right now. We want you guys to respond through conversation. And this is a great way for you guys to internalize what we talked about and learn how to apply it to your life. And the conversations that start at these tables are really good. And so I would encourage you tonight to open up, be vulnerable with each other. And I understand that's hard sometimes. It's definitely hard for me a lot of the time, but I challenge you to try it. It's, it's worth it. And so maybe tonight you're, you're maybe feeling exhausted because of some extra weight on your shoulders. And I would encourage you to throw it off. And maybe tonight your circumstances are exhausting you. And I encourage you, Lean into the hope of heaven. Set your eyes on Jesus. And these questions will hopefully unearth for you uh, some great topics and some great conversations. So let me pray, and they're going to pass out the questions. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that, uh, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that we can throw off every sin and weight that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that you have set before us, keeping our eyes on you, the founder and perfecter of our faith knowing that for the joy that was set before you, you despised the shame, you endured the cross, and now you are seated on the right hand of the throne of God. So we set our eyes on you tonight, Jesus, and we pray over the, the circumstances and the situations that may be exhausting us. And I pray, God, tonight that exhaustion is relieved in the name of Jesus by setting our eyes on the hope of heaven. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.